0: Welcome to the Christ Community Church podcast. This teaching was recorded live at our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, Streamwood, or Huntley, or check out a service online. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message.
1: Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the New Testament Gospel of John, and Clayton will be walking us through the comma method today. But before we get started, can I just say how excited we are to be here currently on the St. Charles campus stage recording a live podcast episode? Are you guys
0: excited? All right. Uh, this is going to be good. I,
2: I couldn't tell if that was genuine enthusiasm or fake enthusiasm, but it doesn't matter. It sounds the same. It sounds good on the podcast. I'm on the podcast.
0: <laughs> fake it till you make it, y'all. Um, so, Nikki, I have a question. Uh, each week when you introduce us, you always say teaching pastor Clayton Keenan, executive pastor Eric Ferris, you say what we do, but you never say what you do. And so I figured that this is the perfect opportunity to tell uh, all of our listeners and everybody who's here uh, live exactly what you do, because here's the thing, Uh, Nikki is perhaps the most influential pastor you've never seen at our church, okay, and here's why, she is the creative arts pastor, uh, and that means she is leading the team that plans all of our weekend services and executes them across uh, five campuses in an online broadcast and all of the rest, which means if you have ever been blessed by a service here at Christ Community Church, uh, you have Nikki and her team to thank, so can we thank her right now? Thank you. And the the, the reason you don't don't see her is because normally she's in the back of the room at our St. Charles Auditorium wearing all black with a headset on, kind of directing things from behind the scenes. Uh, But she is active uh, each week as we do this. She leads the army of the black T-shirts, as
2: I call it. I
1: do. Okay. Why
2: do, why do, I know I why know I like hands always wear black, because you don't want to see them on the stage, but why do all tech people, all creative arts people always wear black?
1: We never know when we're going to have to go out on stage. You guys remember last weekend, if you were here, we forgot to bring out Jim's flip chart and his stool, like his water and his stool, and so I had to come out on stage. And so normally, it but helps we us, us blend into the, black, to the we background. Don't think like,
2: we don't think like a water bottle is just floating out. of no, <laughs>
1: but it just, you know, you're not paying attention to my cute outfit, so you know I just blend in.
2: Hey, you know, the if you're newer to Christ's community, you come to a large church and you look around and you think like, eh, this church has got it all together. They don't need my help. Like everything just kind of works. I promise you in that world, uh, the more the merrier so if you'd like to join the army of the black t-shirts you need you need to yes. get me a gift for doing this right now come
1: join the army of black t-shirts
2: it is all kinds of people people that like tech stuff people that just like being stagehands and helpful people that like building things like if you're a good woodworker you're good with your hands we have a whole wood shop back here that builds set designs and all that kind of stuff so if you've never thought about joining the army of the black t-shirts but now you're thinking about it she's the one you hit up to it's join like that a army. new
1: thing now the army yeah. of the
2: black t-shirts it's great it's great Hey Clayton, do you
0: recognize this? Uh, I, I I
1: think so. I this do. is a
2: confetti cannon, and what you all need to know is that this weekend is Clayton's birthday. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Happy, happy Happy birthday! And last last time we recorded this live episode, I surprised when Clayton was doing the whole intro thing on Saturday when we did this, he didn't know I had the confetti cannon and I shot him with it when he didn't know it was coming. So my question is, what is worse, not knowing it's coming? Or knowing it's coming—the
0: <laughs> uh, the surprise. I—I I, I hate surprises. Oh boy. Oh, <laughs> oh confetti in my tea. There is... <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> and and on my notes
2: now. I'm gonna this be, is, be this so great. distracted by
1: these little pieces now. Seriously, what
2: what, what was worse—the surprise
0: or that? Uh, I'll 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 go with this. But uh, that was worse. Oh, that, that would... Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Eric. It's I appreciate it. I love you guys. Um, all right, let's get started. <laughs> uh, we are going to be walking through a passage in the Gospel of John. If you've got a Bible, you can turn with us to John chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 31, and we're going to use— You have it right here. You don't yeah, need if your you, Bible. If you, if you if don't have a Bible, we've got to print it for you. Uh, follow along. And uh, we're going to walk through the comma method, and uh, let's—here's here, what we're going to do. We're going to review these kind of five steps, and so we're going to put it on the screen. I'm going to have you guys say it with me. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming. Here we go. Let's, let's say this: comma is context, observation, message, meditation, application. And so this is the, the simple method. And it's not meant to be this kind of rigorous, uh, you know, have to do all of the things. It is simply a way to slow you down and get you to look more closely at the passage.
2: Yeah, I have talked to plenty of people. I see it play out in my own, my own community group, which I think is technically called a super group around here, because if you have a group that's so large that you have to divide out into multiple discussion groups, I think you're technically a super group. Uh, so I live in Elburn, so it's a bunch of us that live in Elburn that get together. And I think a lot of us just overthink the comma method, like, we, ah, I gotta do it perfect, and all the steps, and so let me, let me just remind everybody, the comma method, it really is just meant to slow you down, to actually get something out of what you're reading. I think one of the, so Bible, Bible reading schedules, whichever one you use, you might happen to use the Bible Savvy Schedule, but there's lots of schedules out there. The benefit of a schedule is there's a discipline to it, right? Like it tells you what to read that day, it kind of organizes what you're going to do, and you have a plan to actually read your Bible, I think the potential downside could be that we get into this checklist mentality where we say, well, good Christians read their Bible and bad Christians don't read their Bible. And so if I read my Bible today, God likes me a little more. And if I didn't read my Bible today, maybe God likes me a little bit less. And so it's possible that you just, you know, do it a checkbox. You just read today's reading and you just check it off. And, but that's not the point. The point of reading the Bible isn't just to read the Bible. The point of reading the Bible is to get to know the God of the Bible. Right? To, to know the God that created us and loves us and has revealed himself to us. And so the comma method is really just a way to slow us down, to think well about what we're looking at so that we can get to know the God that loves us. So don't overthink it, y'all. Use it, it to the extent it helps
0: you, use it. To the extent it frustrates you, just read your Bible. So we're going to start with context, that first C and comma here. And context is basically the idea of looking at what is around the passage so that you don't take something out of context. You're easy to misunderstand things when you take them out of context. And the, the simple way to get context is uh, to look at, if you've got a study Bible or uh, you uh, go online, you can look up uh, uh, Bible project videos, uh, get kind of an overview of the book and what it's about. Fortunately, in the book of John, we actually have John giving just a, like a one-sentence summary of hit the point of his book. And so this is what it actually says uh, in John chapter 20. Uh, John says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, the ones I wrote down, these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name so anytime you are reading something in the gospel of john you know the reason he included it is so that it would point to jesus to say this is the one that you have to believe in because you can have life in his name and so that's what he's pointing people to and the same is true in this particular conversation
2: i'm having a hard time taking you seriously right now you know why do I have confetti you on? The yeah, you have there, confetti there you go. <laughs> there you
0: go. Covered, can we just zoom
1: in on Clayton so he can There do you go. The You're all set now. Okay.
0: There oh, there's still more. Oh, man. <laughs> um, and so uh, the conversation we're reading today, we're going to kind of jump into the middle of one. And, uh, and here, here's what's going on. There is kind of uh, an argument happening. Jesus is talking to people who are his uh, opponents, and they are uh, you know, pushing back on him, and Jesus is pushing back on them. And uh, we're, we're dropping right in the middle of it, but here's the thing that has just happened right before this verse we're picking up in. It says, even as he spoke, many people believed in him. So there's, there's hostility, but there are some people who are saying, there might be something to this Jesus guy. So we're going to pick it up in verse 31, and Eric's going to read.
2: All right, here we go. Read along, uh, not out loud, but you have this right here, so read, read along as I read it. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. And now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. And Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I've not come on my own, God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason
0: you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. All right, we are going to go to the O in comma, which is observation. And when we do observation, there's kind of a a handy little uh, acronym to help remember some of the things that you're looking for. Because this is what observation is. You're kind of being detectives or scientists. You're looking for the data, the evidence, uh, to figure out what this passage means. So the more you can gather, the better. And we've got this acronym that helps us know what we're looking for. And it's TREATS, T-R-T-S. And so uh, we're going to do a little pop quiz here. Can you guys tell me what the T-R-T-S stand sometimes for. we stumble over this in the podcast it's normally Nikki's fault <laughs> <laughs>
1: alright oh, so you what's you the T you just wait
2: <laughs> what's the first T theme you got it theme R repeating words and phrases T
1: truth about God <laughs>
2: there you go <laughs> so uh-huh. when, you're, when you're on the spot when, when you're
1: on the, on the spot, spot you forget it
0: and S. Something striking. Something striking. So here,
2: here's what I equate this to. I, I will readily admit that sometimes when I'm at the doctor or the dentist, I still, like, if there's a highlights magazine on the table, I will pick it up. Do you guys remember Highlights Magazine? <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> you,
1: you're, they your got people are d- out d- there. <laughs> of got highlights out highlights <laughs>
2: Magazine. So in Highlights Magazine, there's normally, like, the page where it's, like, the jungle scene, and it says, find the ten hidden garden tools in the jungle scene. That's what observation is when you're reading your Bible. You're just looking for stuff. In, in the text that you're reading. So that's what we're doing when we're doing
0: observation. If you have no idea what Highlights Magazine is, just forget the last two minutes. So what we're going to do is we are going to go around and we're going to uh, identify some of our observations. What I'd love for you guys to do is as we're doing that, you look at the passage and you note know your own observations in each of these categories that we're going to do. Uh, when it comes to theme, the, the kind of cheat sheet version of this is to simply look at the heading of the section in the Bible. This is not something that's part of the Bible. It's something that the translators put in there, but it is a great clue for kind of the overarching theme. And in this case, it says, uh, dispute over whose children Jesus' opponents are. And, and that heading, I think, highlights what we've already said, that this is kind of a, you know, a, an adversarial conversation. There's a conflict going on. There's opponents, there's a dispute. Uh, and if you look at the other headings in the chapter, you see dispute, dispute, dispute. You realize that's going on. Uh, let's talk about repeating words and ideas. Uh, what repeating words and ideas did you see in this passage?
1: Um, I saw the repeating words of truth and lies, so this contrast there. Um, I, The word truth pops up like seven times, so obviously this is important for us to pay attention to.
2: Uh, There's a lot of talk about father and children. Jesus saying, God is my father. You think God is your father, but he's not your father. You actually have another father. Your father is the devil, so you're children of the devil. I'm a child of God. So there's a lot of father-child talk. I wish on my sound effects panel I had a who's your daddy sound, <laughs> and if I was smarter, I would have put it
0: on there, but you I don't. I would have added that. Uh, it, there, a lot of the things about the, the, the child-father uh, thing is that children reflect their, their father, you know, and uh, we got a, a little example of this recently. Uh, Eric and I, we actually recorded a podcast episode that's going to be released uh, in 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 the next week or so, Uh, but Nikki wasn't there. And so we decided, what do do we do without Nikki? So we had the bright idea of let's bring our daughters in. And so I had never met uh, Eric's daughter. I don't think he had met my daughter. But when they sat down, it was very clear whose children they were, uh, because they, they, they reflected uh, the personalities and the things that, that we, we tend to say.
2: Yeah. Clayton's daughter was dropping lines that he says all the time in his sermons, and my daughter was trying to
0: make sound effects with her mouth. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever. It was, <laughs> it was great. Um, an observation I had here is um, the, the idea of hearing and listening came up a lot, and it seemed to be connected also with the idea of obeying uh, that, that went together there.
1: Yeah, another uh, set here that I had was slave and free. And I think it's interesting, like Jesus is talking about setting people free from sin here, but they're so stuck on like their heritage, like Abraham, that they're like, yeah, no, we're, I mean, we're good. Like they have this mindset of we're, we're free people, even though, he, like they're not even paying attention to the fact that he's talking about their sin.
2: Yeah. Yeah, connected to that, a lot of Abraham talk. They, they, there's something in their head where they're thinking, whatever you're saying, Jesus, whatever you think we need, we don't need it because we're descendants of Abraham, so we're good. So so, somehow there's a lot of talk about Abraham and they're banking on their heritage uh, more than what Jesus is saying they need.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the the other T here in treats, truths about God. Uh, What did you guys see? What did it say about God? Sometimes we're looking for titles or just kind of things that God has done. So what did you guys see?
1: Yeah, we saw some titles, Father... God is Father, Jesus is the Son.
2: Yeah, I think this is probably the observation category that makes people's brains melt, right? Like you just like squint and stare really hard at your Bible and see if you can like see a truth about God in there. But most of the time, they're so obvious that you look right past them, right? So uh, in verse uh, 36 and 38, you all can look at this. Jesus says something very interesting. And in in verse 42, he kind of says the same thing. He has been with the Father. Which we just, because we're on the other side, looking back at the story, but if you imagine like the audience, Jesus is saying to them, I have been with God the Father, and I have been in his presence, and I'm only saying what he has told me to say. So that is a a truth about Jesus, is that he has been with the Father.
0: Yeah. Um, I also see here in verse 36, it talks about how the Son sets people free. So all that slavery freedom talk, Jesus is saying, I'm the one who can set you free from the slavery that you're in which along with i've been with the father like those two claims are really really bold like if you met someone who said that to you and you're like oh yeah i've been with god he sent me here to set you free like the, you can understand why people would have a little controversy uh, around that yeah. uh, what about the s the something striking uh, we, we kind of see this as kind of the, uh, the the catch-all like you might not know why it's important but you're like huh That phrase, that idea, it seems to be like, it's jumping out at me. What did you guys see? Oh, snap, oh,
1: snap. Yep, so there are If you think
0: that in your head when you're reading your Bible, that's something striking.
1: Yes, oh, snap, there you go. So I picked up on a lot of if, then statements that explain kind of like the characteristics of a follower of Jesus. So verse 31, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Uh, Verse 39, if you were Abraham's children, you would do what Abraham did. Verse 42 says, if God were your father, you would love me. And then 47 says, whoever belongs to God hears what he says. So if you hear God, then you then you belong to him. So,
2: Yeah, yeah often in the podcast we say that uh, sometimes good observations are good questions. So if you're ever reading your Bible and, it, and you're you're thinking to yourself, I don't understand that, or I have a question, what does that mean? That is a good observation. And so the something striking for me is in verse 34. If you look at that, Jesus says something pretty significant. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin, which sounds like hyperbole or an exaggeration. And so you ask yourself, well, what does that mean? What's he talking about? Because at face value, it's like, everyone has sins. Like, if I do something bad, it means I'm a slave. Like, that seems like such, such an exaggeration that I need to stop and think about that for a
0: little bit, or look more at the text, see what does he mean when he says that. The, the thing that struck me here is the very opening uh, verse of this section, where it says, to the Jews who had believed in him. So he's talking to these people who have responded in some way to him. But then he still kind of, he goes on the attack a little bit. Like, he's, he's challenging them in a lot of ways, and it... Escalate. So he's still kind of uh, seeing them as opponents, and he actually gets to the end and says, "You're children of the devil." So you look at people who, in some sense, have some belief in Jesus, and yet Jesus is trying to expose like it's it's not exactly what you think. It's not the kind of belief I'm looking for. And it, it reminded me actually of something that Pastor Jim said maybe a month or so ago in a in a sermon. He talked about how sometimes we think of the world as divided between two groups. There are believers and there are non-believers, you know, people who, who follow Jesus and people who would say, no, I don't follow Jesus. But he says there's actually a third category, and it's make-believers. It's the people who, you know, would say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, or, you know, I go to church, or, I, I, you know, I, yeah, I believe that stuff. But the reality is it doesn't touch their life in some way. And I think Jesus is trying to push on, on his audience saying, don't be in that third category. Like you, you kind of, you know, you kind of want to do this, but you, you haven't fully committed.
2: Yeah, I think when you say make believers, it sounds so stark, like, and it also, like, it sounds to me like it's ascribing intent to the person, like I'm gonna pretend to be a believer. I don't think that's what, what that means as much as, sometimes, you know, people will say, well, I believe in God, or I believe in Jesus, and they believe to the extent that they know right? And so, like, I, I, you know, some people say, I believe there's a God that created everything, but they don't know any more than that. So they believe up to a point. And I think that's what's going on here. People have heard some of the things Jesus said. They've seen him do some things. And so what they know, they believe, but they don't really fully understand who it is that's standing in front of them. So belief has so many different levels to it, probably, that I think that's probably some of what's
0: going on here, too. Yeah. Let's go on to the, the first M in comma, which is message. Now, here, here's what we've just done, okay? We, we have just gone around and around, and if you are noting all of those observations, you just have a pile of things, like way more than you can process or talk about at one time. And this is normal and actually a good thing when you're studying the Bible, especially in a group. Uh, but what you should do then is not try to figure out all of it, but to grab onto just one or two of those things And then develop those into a message to try to say, from these observations, from this particular observation, what's a principle, what's a life lesson that we can draw from that, which we could then apply to our situation in life right now. So we're gonna do that. We're gonna grab uh, an observation from each of those categories we've looked at, the the, the last three of those categories, and we're gonna develop those into a message. So um, let's start with you, Eric. What message do you have?
1: Hmm.
2: All right, I'll I'll go with this one. So I, I pointed out that The word Abraham is used a lot. And and somehow uh, the Jews in this conversation think that somehow they are right with God because of their heritage. And so the message like so the the idea is you try to take a message like you try to put it in one sentence just the mental exercise of putting one sentence like what is it that i'm getting out of the bible today what is god saying to me today what is the one thing that i'm going to walk away with and i think what i the way i would word it is don't count on the wrong thing to make you right with god um yeah, you guys remember Keith Green? Like this is this is so like I, I know I don't have a lot of gray hair, but I'm <laughs> I'm I'm older than I probably look. Um, there's there's a there's a line in a, one of his songs, or no, in one I don't know one of his CDs or whatever, probably cassette tapes when it came out.
0: Yeah, probably, on, a CD probably
2: man. on Keith Green is probably on vinyl. <laughs> Uh, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. That's such, a, you know, such an old classic line.
1: That was in you a know, song. Going
2: to church isn't what makes you a Christian. I'm good with God because I go to church. Mm, it's a good thing. What did you say?
1: I said that was in a song?
2: Yeah, yeah it, wasn't, it wasn't like a worship song. It was oh, like a, okay, you know.
1: Okay. He would talk song. during
2: his songs. Anyway.
1: Okay, okay. Sorry, uh, Go ahead.
2: <laughs> you know, when I, so, so there was a, there was a few things that I did not anticipate when I became a pastor. So, you know, I, when I went, I, I've been a pastor my whole adult life. So college was Bible college, you know, 22 years old, I was a pastor and a few things I did not anticipate. I probably should have, I was just too dumb to know that this was going to happen, that I would end up doing every funeral and every wedding for my family for the rest of my life, uh, that I would be asked to pray over every holiday meal for the rest of my life, uh, <laughs> What I, another one I didn't anticipate is that I actually had family members that said this out loud. Oh, this is awesome. I'm good with God now because there's a pastor in the family. They meant it right? And so I think some, it is possible that if we don't know really who Jesus is and what he did on the cross for us, that we could rely on the wrong things to make us right with the Father. I also have gone out of my way to let my kids know that God has no grandchildren. And, and what I mean by that is my relationship with God is not my kids' relationship with God. So, you know, just because they're pastor's kids doesn't necessarily mean that they're right with God. You don't get like some, you know, some pass, right? And so I've I was like, I wanted to make sure that I, I have four kids, young adult, all the way down to 10 years old, and I wanna make sure my kids know that it is Jesus who makes you right with the Father and what he, what he has done on the cross, not your heritage, not your family, not the fact that your dad's a pastor. So my message is don't count on the wrong thing to make you right with God.
0: Yeah, I think of uh, the, the families we just did, child dedication earlier in this service. Uh, I know that it would break the hearts of each of those parents who stood up here and said, we're gonna raise our kids to know Jesus, If their kids, when they're adults, look back and say, I'm good because my parents made a decision back then and they've never embraced it for themselves. Like, hey, you don't want to count on that. Uh, Nikki, what's, what's your message?
1: So the message that I got was genuine followers of Jesus hold to his teaching. And so I got this from this something striking observation that we made earlier from verse 31 where it says, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. And it goes along with all of those other FN statements uh, that, I, that I talked about that just show the, it talks about the evidence of having a genuine relationship with God. But what stood out to me was the simplicity of the word hold, but also the power behind it. And so I did a little word study on the word hold. And it turns out that it's the same word uh, that John used in John chapter 15. Uh, and, they, and the translators translated it, it remain or hold, uh, or abide, sorry. And so this time though, the translators used the word hold this time. And I thought that was interesting because it creates this word picture in my mind of like making sure that I grab onto something and I hold onto it and I don't let it go. And I, I just think that's really interesting that we're supposed to do that here what Jesus is teaching is hold on to it. And that's a very powerful and revealing truth. And I think what's important to to remember about this is if we remain in or hold on to our sinful nature, what happens is we don't really have the space or even the desire in our hearts, our minds, and our actions to hold on to Jesus' teaching. And so I think that's really key here.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things that's gotta show up with, with evidence in your life. Like it's not something you can just say, it's gotta be something that changes something. Yeah. So sometimes when people read a passage like this, they'll ask the question, okay, so what about me? Like how do I know that I'm really Jesus' disciple? If you know, it's, I got a hold to his teaching, like what should I look at to know if it's really real? So if someone asked you guys that, what would you say?
2: Hmm, good question. So like someone that maybe grew up in a Christian family or grew up going to church and they're wondering, am I, am I really a Christ follower? Uh, I think part of the answer is, you know, a tree by its fruit, right? Like, so you just look, you look at the life of somebody. If you are following Jesus and you're holding to his teaching, you live in the world in a different way than somebody that isn't, right? And so you should be able to look at someone's life and see, see behaviors, see choices, see priorities that are not perfect, but increasingly looking more every day, like, the, the life that Jesus offers and the way that he teaches us to, to live in his world so I'd say you look at you look at behavior
1: yeah it's, it's the same thing that I just talked about too just that that desire what's what's on your mind what's on your heart what's leading you to take the make the the you know the to basically just act in the way that you are. Is it, is it Jesus or is it something else?
0: Yeah. I, I see that line in verse 42. If God were your father, you would love me. Like there's, there's also a, a desire for Jesus that comes from that too. You know, that there's, there's you, you do what he says, but you're also longing for him in particular. And and, and I see that. Uh, One thing that I always want to remind people when they ask that question is when we talk about the evidence of someone being a genuine follower of Jesus, we're talking about evidence. We're not talking about the causes, okay? So sometimes people get this reverse. They say, you know, if if I do all the right things, then God will accept me. But it's actually the opposite. God accepts you. Not because of something you've done, not because you've earned it, not because you checked the box and kind of you know graduated that or you know whatever. Like it's because he's already accepted you as you are that it begins to transform. And the 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 problem is when we say, "Oh yeah, I've I've I put my trust in Jesus," but nothing starts to change. You might have to go back and say, "Did I ever actually really do that?" Um, It's not because it earned it, but because it's the evidence of that happening. Uh, here's, here's the message that I came up with. This is from the uh, truth about God that we talked about, uh, that if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so uh, I kind of simply restated that and said, you'll be a slave to sin unless Jesus sets you free. You'll be a slave to sin unless Jesus sets you free. And uh, going back to Eric's kind of question there before of, okay, but you're talking about being a slave. Like that's really strong language for like, okay, I did something wrong. Like my slave? And I think what's really helpful is to think about it this way. There is the difference between kind of external slavery and internal slavery. Uh, external slavery is when someone or something is controlling your behavior. It's forcing you to do something. And that's kind of, you know, the common way to use that word. But internal slavery is when there is something inside of you that compels you to do things that in some part of you, you know, you wish you didn't do, that you, d- you don't want to do, you ought not to do. And so I think of that experience, you know, that, that experience where you're like, why the heck am I doing this? You know, you, you, you go back to something, uh, an addictive behavior or an unhealthy relationship, or, or your, your mind keeps kind of obsessing over, you know, oh, that person who did me wrong, or your image with people, or your money, or whatever it is, and you keep going back to that thing. Jesus is saying, that's the slavery I'm talking about, that you are you're being controlled by something that if, when push comes to shove, you would say, I probably shouldn't be doing that. That's what he wants to set us free from.
2: You know, line is, line is in my head right now. It's a good preaching line. It, it's, uh, sin will take you further than you want to go and make you stay longer than you want to stay. Mm. I, you know, you ask yourself, like if, if something is causing you to think or behave in a destructive way that you don't want to think or do, what would you call that? I don't, it's not freedom, right? If there's something compelling you, And it is really scary to think that we have a slave master on the inside of us, our sinful, broken nature um, that causes us to do things that we don't want to do, that we regret, that we know on the front end will cause pain or not God's best in our lives, but we still find ourselves doing it. And Jesus is just telling the truth.
0: Yeah. I I think one of the keys to that slavery is that there, there are needs inside of us that we say, I've got, it's the right. We want to have them met but we believe a lie that there is something out there other than Jesus that are going to meet those needs. And so if we think that's where we're going to get what we need, the love we need, the acceptance, the security, the, you know, whatever it is, if we know, if we think that's what's going to get it to me, we'll do whatever we have to, to get that thing until the truth of what Jesus has done has set us free. When we realize the truth is Jesus has done everything we need to meet our, our deepest longings of our heart that sets us free to no longer chase after all that other stuff that's been controlling us. And so that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you come to me, I'll give you all that you need so that you're going to be free from all of those other things. So let's go on to the, uh, the second M in comma, which is meditation. Now, uh, here's what we mean by meditation. It is simply prayerful reflection, prayerful pondering on a passage of Scripture. And so uh, the way we're going to do this today is we're going to give you about 45 seconds. And I want you to reflect on this uh, this question here. And uh, not just you think about it, but listen to what God has to say to you through this. Okay, so here's the question. Ask God, how are you calling me to respond to these words of Jesus? If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Take 45 seconds to ponder that. We're going to move on to the a and comma which is application now hopefully for you as you Contemplated that scripture as you meditated on that, God was speaking to you saying, here's a way I want you to respond to that. Uh, if you, you didn't have enough time for that, you can always spend more time later uh, pondering that if, if you'd like. Uh, normally on the podcast, what we do when we get to application is we go around the, the table and we all share kind of one thing that we in particular are going to do. Uh, but this time, I kind of want to direct it to one particular group of people who might be here. It's those of you who would say, you know what, I've been going to church or I would call myself a Christian, or, you know, I, I kind of believe in God. But I hear the challenge that Jesus has here that says, it's, it's got to be something that's deeper than what I've been doing. And maybe you're realizing, you know what? The kind of belief that I think I have is not actually the, the kind of saving faith, the, 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 the surrender that Jesus is really asking for, because it's not setting me free, it's not transforming my life. And so there are some of you here where you, what you, the application for you is to say, Okay, this is the day that I'm really going to surrender and say, Jesus, I need you. I can't kind of have, you know, uh, you know uh, one foot in, one foot out. I need to be all in. I really need to surrender to you. Or, or maybe there's some of you who you've just been considering Jesus and haven't gotten to that point where you say, all right, I really want to believe, but you realize the freedom that he's offering is the freedom that you need in your life. And so you're like, today is the day. So what I want to do is I want to give you a chance to respond to that. See, the the good news is that when Jesus showed up on earth, he came and he took on all of the consequences of our sin. He took on the guilt and the shame. He, He took on the suffering and the agony that comes from sin, the brokenness that comes from that. And when he went to the cross, you know what he was doing? He was paying the price for all of those things, taking all of them on himself so that he could pay the price to set us free. That's how he did it. And then when he rose from the dead three days later, what he was doing is he was bringing life, he was bringing freedom, saying, you can be free, you can live, there is hope for you beyond what you're trapped in right now. And so because of that, anyone who surrenders, anyone, no matter where they're coming from, what they've done, can find life and freedom in him. And so this is what I want to do. We're going to take a moment now to pray, and we're going to pray a very simple prayer. It's a prayer we often use around here, and it just has three parts, It's a prayer that expresses our surrender by saying, sorry, thank you, and please. And so if uh, this is you and you're in that moment and you want to surrender to Jesus now, you can pray along with me. Let's pray. God, we wanna come before you and acknowledge that we need you to set us free. What we have been doing is not enough. And so we wanna say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all the things that I have done. When I've gone my way instead of your way, I've walked away from you, tried to make a life on my own, but I've made a mess. I've done things that I shouldn't have done. I failed to do things I should do. There are things I've gone to again and again that will not deliver, will not provide, and I am so sorry I am wrong, forgive me. Take a moment to express your sorry to God in your own heart. Now, God, we say thank you. I want to say thank you, Jesus, for uh, coming to earth, to not leaving us to solve our problems on our own, but you saw me and you loved me. And you came and you took the burden of my sin. You went to the cross and you paid the price that I should have paid. You died the death that I deserved and I couldn't have done it for myself, but you did it for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the dead. That You brought life and freedom and hope. Thank you that you have done all that is needed to rescue and save me. Take a moment to express your gratitude to Jesus. And now we say please, God please, rescue me, forgive me, free me, welcome me into your family, give me a hope and a future, please Jesus. Jesus, be my king. I'm done running my own life. I want to walk in your way. I want you to be in charge. I want to hold to your teaching. Please come into my life and transform me. Let me bear fruit. Take just a moment to ask God to save you and be your king. God, thank you that whenever we pray this prayer from the heart, you hear it and you rescue and you save. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want to tell you, if you just prayed that prayer, that prayer is a first step in a relationship with Jesus. It's a first step, having surrendered to Him, that becomes part of a daily walk with Him. And what we love to do around here is help people continue in that walk, take their next steps with Jesus. So, if you prayed that prayer of surrender, maybe uh, for the first time or the first time in a very long time, uh, we w- we have a gift for you. Uh, around the room, in each of our campuses, we have what we call next steps packets available, and that has some material in there, uh, a Bible and some other stuff that uh, will help you continue to learn how to walk with Jesus in your life. Uh, And if you are listening or you are watching online, you can find that same material if you go to our website, ccclife.org slash next steps. We want to make sure you have that uh, as you continue to know what it means to hold to Jesus's teaching.
1: All right. Well, that is all that we have for you, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us next week for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. And in the meantime, if you are not following along with the reading plan, you can check out biblesavvy.com to download it to start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcasts at biblesavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we will talk to you next week.